Welcome to this teaching. I'm really excited about this teaching. Today I'm going to talk about the character of God, who God is. And I think most, most of us have heard this, God is love. And of course God is love. But God is much more than love. God is holy. And another place you find in the New Testament is that God is a consuming fire. But it's not so often we hear about that. And today I'm going to help you to understand who God is. And this is a really important teaching that's going to help you to know God, to love God, and to come in and live the life we read in the book of Acts. So God bless you. Welcome to the Pioneer School. Today I'm going to share a message I really look forward to sharing. And I believe that this message today, for many of you, is going to be the most important message you're going to hear at the Pioneer School. Because I'm going to lay a foundation now when it comes to the understanding on who God is and uh, how we should live with Him. And this is so important. Often when we talk about bearing fruit, we focus on the wrong thing. Often we focus on how to bear fruit instead of, like we fo focus on the fruits instead of coming in and knowing God. Because it's all about knowing God. If you know God, if you walk with God, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit. You cannot stop bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is part of your life. And everything in life is about knowing God. The book of John 17.3 is saying that this is the eternal life. That they know you, the one true God and him you send, Jesus Christ. So the eternal life is about knowing God, the one true God. And him he sent, Jesus Christ. And of course being led by the Holy Spirit. And if we walk that life, walk in that, we will bear fruit. So this, when I'm talking today about knowing God, about coming in who God is, about God's righteousness, holiness, love and those things. This is also so important. Because this is the foundation and this is something we are going to look at today. Some of the things I'm going to say today, I can say from the beginning that it's going to provoke you a lot. It's not because I want to provoke you, but it's going to provoke you because of our tradition, your tradition. Because of the religious classes I've been speaking about during the pioneer school. As you have seen, when we've been looking at healing, when we've been looking at the holy uh, baptism in water, when we've been looking about fasting and everything we've been looking at until now, you will see that it's so much 
goes against many of the things we have heard today because of our tradition, the religious classes. Because of our religion, uh, our tradition, our religious classes, many of the things I've been sharing is something you don't hear normally in the churches today. And I want to say that what I'm going to share today is also something many of you have never heard before. And because of that, it's going to provoke you a lot. But I want to challenge you. If you are hearing something you've never heard before and you feel that this is somehow challenge your view of many things and is provoking you, it's so important to stop up and think, why do I get challenged by that? By what Tom is saying? Is it because it's not biblical what he's saying? Or is it because of the religious classes? Because this is new for me. And I want to say that everything we hear, we need to stop up and check, is this what the Bible is saying? And you also need to do that when I'm teaching. Is this what the Bible is saying? And what you're going to see today is also that this is just what the Bible is saying. It's very simple. This is the word of God. So you get challenged, not because it's not biblical, but you get challenged because of your traditions, because this is so new. So I really hope that, that you, have, you are ready to receive today. You are ready to listen and let the Holy Spirit work through these words I'm going to share today. Because this for many is a really important message. Before I'm going to start, I want to share a few testimonies. I think it's so important that when we come together as believers, we share testimonies. Everybody has something to share because it can help us to stir up our faith. And, and then when you hear testimonies, it's important to understand that we have everything in Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about simple faith. So if somebody is telling an amazing testimony, don't be envy on them. The way that you think, oh, they're, they're, they have a special anointing, they have a special calling, and oh, and, and be en envy on, on them. Don't be that. Instead, be glad with them. Be happy on their behalf that God is using them that way. And be happy because you know that God can do the same for you. God can use you the same way because it's all about Jesus. It's all about a simple faith. I just put a new video up and I encourage you to see that. The video is called Miracles in Hospitals, where you see amazing miracles in, in hospitals. And one of them is my friend Don from America. He and his wife, Rosanna, went to a hospital and she went to a bed and started to talk to Jesus about a Hindu woman who was paralyzed after a stroke. And when she said the name of Jesus, her legs just went up in the air and this woman got healed. And this is so amazing testimonies and I have not seen anything exactly like that. But it don't mean that that I should like, oh, who are you and you experience that? I don't know. I'm just happy because, whoa, she experienced that. I can experience it. I experienced something. You can experience it because we have everything in Jesus Christ. And I believe that when you hear something you long for, you also want to experience. This is the Holy Spirit often 
that stir that up inside of you. So you go after it and then start to see it. And I encourage you to see the video Miracles in Hospital. And at that video, I also share a lot of another testimony I got a few days ago. And I just want to read that very short here in, in this video, because this is a really strong testimony, also about faith, about simple faith. There was a woman who wrote to me a few days ago that in year 2007, so it's seven years ago, I was in their house and I met them and talked with them. And she had some stomach aches at that time. And I didn't know exactly what was wrong, but I just lay my hands and prayed for her. And then I got a word for her that God wants to give her what her heart desire. And I didn't remember it like anything special because it's so many years ago. But God did amazing things. And she is writing here, at that time you didn't know what was wrong with me. The truth was that we had tried to get our first kid for over one year. But in the end I went to the doctor and I got examined at the hospital. And they saw with the medical examination that there was a cyst on my right side of my ovary. And that cyst have grown so big that the ovary had bursted. And my left ovary was twisted together so there was nothing to do. I couldn't get more children, the doctor had told me. Two days later you visit us. And when you pray I didn't put so much in it because I have already given up the hope of getting more children. But, and listen here, but at a routine check five weeks later at the hospital, I had a tiny baby, just five weeks old. And the doctor couldn't understand it. And more scanning only showed the same. Both ovary didn't work, but there was a healthy little Foster. Can you see that? God do amazing things. God, he can heal her, heal the ovary, but he can also just give her a child. <laughs> but like, and, and, and this is like something we don't understand. The doctor don't understand how could she get pregnant with the, when the ovary was not working. But we don't live by what we understand. We don't live by what we see. We don't live by what is possible. We live by faith. And, and, and it really comes so, becomes so strong that it's all about living by faith. Because she continue that, that they found out that it was a girl, but there was later, five, when she was five months, uh, she was afraid to lose this little girl. And one day there was a meet at a meeting as a at a Bible came, and they came. She came from prayer, but just before they came from prayer, they talked about what should they call the little girl. And her husband, he have a in his head like Sarah, Abraham wife. Let let's call her Sarah. And then the wife went to a meeting. There came a woman to pray for her, and she got a prophetic word saying, "What God had given you, you are not going to lose." And there is something about Sarah, Abraham's wife. What do that tell you? 
And she was like so surprised because this woman didn't know anything about it. She didn't know she was pregnant. She didn't know she was afraid to lose the child. She didn't know that they're just talking about Sarah, Abraham's wife, as a good name for this girl. And then the woman gave a word for her that God is going to use this little child to be a blessing for many people. And she right in the end, Exactly a child like little Sarah I have never seen before, who is so happy. She pray many times a day, sing for God and tell about him to other people. She knows things she shouldn't be able to know, things I have not told her, things that's written in the Bible. I just wanted to share this with you and say thank you for the intercession back then. Can you see that? And for me, I think this is so strong because who is Abraham? Who is Sarah? Abraham is the father of faith. He believed God. The same way today, we need to believe God. We don't live by what is possible. I don't know what the doctors say, but for God, everything is possible. I don't know what the bank account is saying, but for God, Everything is possible if we walk with him, if we believe everything is possible. And I love this testimony and I just want to share it with you and encourage you to go in and see the video Miracles in Hospitals and, and use that to stir up your faith. And then I'm going to talk about knowing God and this is important because faith have to, it's not just a faith random faith. Like I believe in, I lay my hands on a car and I believe and then I get the car. No, it's about knowing God and knowing the will of God and know what God has for us. If we know that, if we walk with God, we know what God's will is and then we can have faith for it. So it's so important that we come in and get to know God. Okay, I'm, when I'm going to talk about this, most of what I'm going to share today is something God revealed to me when I was fasting 40 days. And I have a book, The Sound Doctrine, you can buy it on Amazon. And I encourage you to, to get the book. Uh, I'm going to preach a little out of that today. A lot of things is not in the book, but some is in the book. And I'm going to continue next time uh, also with some of the teaching that's in the book. But I encourage you, if you can, then get the book and read it through while I'm doing this teaching. Another thing, last time I spoke about fasting, and I have got many testimonies out of that. I know of people who have just started a 40 days fast because of that, a 20 days fast, starting a few days fast, and, and, and I started to get the testimonies in how fasting is strong. There was a woman who wrote to me yesterday that she started to fast Wednesday uh, last week, and there she started to fast because she, was, she wanted to try to know God more and she was addicted to smoking. And she had been smoking many years and she was not able to be free of smoking. But she started to fast Wednesday, Friday, three days later on her third day, she experienced suddenly that something left her. It was like something came out of her body and immediately came out of her body, she felt a heat came into her body. 
And then she just said very loud to her daughter, Now, I'm stop smoking. I don't smoke anymore. And from that moment on, she was free smoking. And she has not been smoking since, and she don't have the desire of smoking now. So this is just one testimony. She went into the fast because there was a wall. She could not break through that wall. And she wanted to break through there. And while she was fasting and seeking God, suddenly God came with the Holy Spirit and set her free. So I encourage you to do fasting. Be, let fasting be a part of your life. Ask God how much you should do and then do it. Okay, I want to pray now before I'm going to come with this important teaching. God, I thank you for everything you are doing. God, I thank you for all the testimonies from the miracles at ho in hospitals. God, I thank you for what you did with this woman and you blessed her with little Sarah, God. We pray your blessing upon her, God. God, I thank you for what you are doing also doing the through the teaching of fasting, God. I pray for today, God. I pray for this message, God. That is so, so important, God. God, I pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit over me and help me to share this in a good way, in a right way, in a way where people understand it. And you will come with your Holy Spirit, God. And you will open people's eyes, God. Open people's ears, God. Open people's hearts so they can receive everything you want to give them through this message, God. I pray that this is going to come out in the church, in your body, all over the world. And it's going to make a difference, God. So come with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to talk about God, who God is. And I want to say before I start that when I fasted, I got a revelation of God as a holy God. I got the fear of God inside of my life. And it changed my life really, really radically. I have also heard other people who had that in many ways. But when they got the revelation of God as a father, it changed their life very, very radical. And both things is true. We need to have a revelation of both, both, both things. So for some people, they started, they got the revelation of God as a father and it changed their life because of their background, it was what they needed. I didn't have problem with that. I had that already. So when I got a revelation of, of God as a holy God, it changed my life. So it can be that you have another uh, testimony than I have. But today I want to try to cover the whole thing. I want to show the whole picture of who God is. And that this is going to help you to set you free. I want to start here. The righteousness of God. God is righteous. The righteousness of God. Now I'm from Denmark and I speak Danish. And uh, because I speak Danish, I'm not used to using those English words. And maybe I have a different understanding for the words than you have. I know in Denmark also, if you're in some churches, you have one understanding on a word, on some words. If you're in another church, not a denomination, not a background, you have a different understanding on what the word means. So I want to explain what I mean with the righteousness of God. 
I think that God is a holy God. God is a holy judge. God is going to judge the world. God, there is the whole fear of God inside of that also. That we need to fear God. We need to know that God is righteous and he is going to judge the world. We also have the love of God. And I put that here. What do I mean with the love of God? I mean the part of that, that God is love. God is going to, and God has put his Holy Spirit, his love in us by his Holy Spirit, that we have God as a father. God is our father, our Abba father. So what I mean with the love of God is the part of God is love. God is our father. What I mean there is God is the righteousness of God. God is a holy God. God is going to judge the world and we need to fear him. So we have the love of God and we have the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, to, when we understand that, who God is, then we don't live in sin. Then we know that we should be holy as God is holy and we repent from our sins and live a holy life. So the righteousness of God is doing so we don't live in sin. And when I talk about sin, it's Galatians uh, 5.19, the deeds of the flesh. So to under, when you understand the righteousness of God, it helps you to don't live in sin. It helps you to don't live a life in license. What I mean with, with license is like license to sin. Now you are allowed to sin. People think that, oh, I'm allowed to sin. And they only think that because they don't know the righteousness of God. So the righteousness of God is helping us to not live a life in license. The love of God is also important because it helps us to not live a legalistic life. What I mean with a legalistic life? Legalistic means that you live like by the law or put extra thing to the, the, your life. Like you are not allowed to, uh, women should wear dresses and you are not allowed to play card and you are not allowed to do that and if I don't pray today uh, God don't love me if I don't read the Bible today oh no he don't love me so to understand the love of God hinder us to come out and live a legalistic life and it's so important that you and me understand both things and there have been a lot of misunderstanding about this. One misunderstanding has been that it's one of the other. If I do something wrong, if I'm here, then we have the love of God or the righteousness of God. And if the love of God is going to come first, oh, oh God loved me, everything is okay, okay, he's not going to judge me, he loved me. Or if this is the righteousness of God, oh no, he's going to judge me, now he don't love me anymore. But it's not like it's one of the other. God is love. God loves us. But God is still holy. And we need to know that and need to have our understanding of both things. Because if you only have our understanding of the love of God, and I want to say a wrong understanding of the love of God also, 
That is good. It can push you out, so you start to live a life in sin. You think that you think it's okay because God loves me. Don't matter. He loves me, and you start to live out here and live in license to sin. But if you only have our understanding of the righteousness of God and not the love of God, you it's so easy to come in and start to live a legalistic life where you are afraid in a wrong way, where you are not allowed to do anything, where you become legalistic and hard in your heart, hard against people. And I can say the Pharisees in the Bible, they didn't understand the love of God. They have not received the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand the love of God and they were living very legalistic. And if you see this, You understand why people are living the way they do it. There is some church denomination who focus so much on the righteousness of God without the love of God in the, with the Holy Spirit that those people there have a tendency to start to live a legalistic life. But at the same time, there is churches today who focus so much on the love of God and don't have the righteousness of God, and that those churches start to come out and live in sin, live a li life in license, license to sin. And I don't know your background, but we need to have an understanding on both things, the righteousness of God and the love of God, because it's not like he's one of the other, Other, he's love of God, then he's not righteous. Or he's righteous, then he's not love. He is everything. And when we get that understanding, it will help us to be free. And it's so also interesting to see that if there is people from the background who is have a background where it's only love, 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 they start to live in license. And if they see people walking here in the middle of the road, from their license way of living, they will look at them and say, hey, you are legalistic. But they are not. They're just living in the middle of the road. At the same time, if you only have the understanding on the righteousness of God, you start to live a legalistic life. And if you live very legalistic, like you may not have that, you have to have a dress on and, and you are not allowed to have anything on your head and you will not play cards and, and you have to do that. And if people don't do exactly what they are doing, they are walking here, from their kind of side of view, they will look at those people and they will think that they are living in license. And we are not supposed to live license or a legalistic life, and we are not supposed to live a life in license. We are supposed to live here. And for us to live here, we need to have an understanding on both things. And next time I'm going to continue also and talking about how it is to live in new covenant, how Jesus not lower the standard, but raise the standard. So we know what it is to walk here in the middle of the road. And, and I want to know if, if you don't have those things in your life, then you need to understand it. Many people need to stop up and start to understand who God really is. And if, if the only thing you have heard is the love of God, then what you need is not continue only in the love of God and read books about that. No, then you need to go and study this part of 
the this part. Why? Because then you get the revelation of that. If you only have the like God is a hard cause and everything, then you need to see the other side. Why? So you get an understanding of it. But often it's like if we are in one side, we only want to listen to this teaching. If we are there, we only want to listen to this teaching. So it's really important that we get the right understanding on everything. I'm going to start with looking at the love of God. Because there has been a really big misunderstanding of the love of, love of God. I put it here. We have the love of God. I start here. Romans 5.8 God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God he demonstrated his love toward you and me while, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. But I want to ask you, when we were sinners and God demonstrated his love toward us, do that mean that as a sinner, if we had died, everything was okay? No. As a sinner, we will still perish. We will go to hell as a sinner. Also, that, that God demonstrates his love for us don't mean that everything is okay. But today, when we talk about love and go to a non-believer and say, God loves you, he will, in his mind here, wow, God loved me, I also love me, then everything is okay. But no, everything is not okay. He's living in sin. And he, if he don't repent, he's going to die, he's going to hell. Because God is not only love, God is righteous. And he's going to judge sinners. And I want to say, it's so interesting if we look at the love of God, that it's right that God is love and God demonstrated his love toward us while Jesus died for us, while we were still sinners. But the way that God demonstrated his love for us is not the same. That God is just crazy about us and love us. Like love, I love my wife. I love the way we love each other and love somebody we really love. It's not like God is crazy for people the way we think it. And that is why if you go to the book of Acts and study how the first Christian was preaching, they were never preaching the love of God to people. They were not standing up and going out to people and saying, God love you. They were not doing that. Instead of preaching the love of God, they were preaching the righteousness of God. Because you have to understand the righteousness of God before you can understand the love of God. You have to understand it the right way. Because, again, if you preach God love you to a sinner, he will not understand it the way the Bible says it. He will not think, oh, I then need to repent because I'm going to hell if I die. No, he will hear, oh, God loved me. Amazing, I also love me. Then everything is okay. No, 
as sinners we are going to go to hell because God is righteous. Yes, he's also love and he demonstrated his love by giving Christ. But this is not the same that God is totally crazy and just love everything they're doing. The Bible says something opposite. The Bible says that his wrath is upon those people. And you don't find in the Bible that they preach love to sinners. Try to look through the Bible and you don't find it. And I know that everybody will think, yeah, but so, Tom, John 3.16, John 3.16. And it's so interesting with John 3.16. John 3.16 is the most quoted verse in the Bible. You see it on t-shirts, on car, car stickers. You see it everywhere on pictures when you go to houses. But because it's quoted everywhere, don't mean that we have understood what John 3.16 is about. So it's not only the most quoted words in the Bible, it's also the mis most misused words and misunderstood words in the Bible. And we're going to look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible don't say that Often we read it that God loved the world so much instead of for God so loved the world. We read it in another way. We read it like God loved the world so much that he gave his son. No, it's not what the word is saying. The Bible said for God so loved the world. It means that like this. Like what we have just heard in the verses before, like that God loved the world. So to understand John 3.16, you have to read the context. You have to read John 3.14 and 15. You have to read what it stands just, you know, what the Bible says just before. And this is the biggest problem with the Bible today, that we have put chapters and verses in. But the Bible is more than just one verse here, one verse there, and one verse there. I can come with a simple. Revelation 14.7 is saying, Fear God and give glory to him, for the honor of his judgment has come. Revelation 14.7 if you go to a house today and see a picture or go other places, it's very often this verse you hear, John 3.16. This is what everybody knows. If I ask people in a church today, how many know John 3.16, every hand is going up. If I, I ask them, what about John 3.14 or 15, there's not so many hands. What about Revelation 14.7 here? Fear God and give glory to him, for his honor of judgments have come. People know, don't know that. Many don't know that. But it don't mean that John 3.16, just because we hear it again and again and again, means that this is more important than other verses in the Bible. But, but we hear things so often that we think is more value and more a truth than other things we hear. And it's like that with everything. And when I got saved many years ago, 18 years ago, 
Somebody came to me and said, Tobin, John 3.16 is the small Bible, and it was the first words I learned. And this is what you learn in Sunday school. This is what you learn today, and yes, it's the Word of God. But there's many other things, there's also the Word of God. And if we want to walk in the middle of the road, we need to have a revelation, not only of the love of God, but also of the righteousness of God. We need to know everything. And especially, we need to know what John 3.16 is really saying. What is John 3.16 saying? Okay, in the verses before, you read about Moses and the Israelite in the wilderness. The Israelite was living in the wilderness. And they were like, God, why do you take us out here? Moses, why do you do this? Now we are hungry. Now we are thirsty. And they were complaining all the time. And God didn't look at them and like, I love you. No, God looked at them and he was tired of them. He was angry against them, against their complaining all the time. They were a rebellious people and he felt an anger towards them. So because of that, God sent snakes and snakes came and bit the Israelites and many died. And when many died, they saw that they have sinned and they turned to Moses. We have sinned. Moses turned to God and God said to Moses, I'm not going to remove the snakes, but I'm going to make a servant, put it on a stick. And when they are bit by the snakes, they, are going, they can look at the servant and they're not going to die. They're going to keep their life. So Moses created that serpent put on a stick and when the snakes bit the Israelite and they look at that they are not going to die the same way as this the same way that God there loved the Israelite God loved the world so he sent his son that whoever look at him believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life the same way. It was not like God was crazy for them. You have to understand, like me, I love Denmark. I can say I love Denmark. I'm Danish. I live in Denmark. I love Denmark. But that I love Denmark don't mean that I'm crazy for every person in Denmark and everything they're doing. Because there are really wicked people in Denmark who's doing crazy things. And they need to have their punishment. They need to go to jail. Because they're evil. They're doing wicked things. And I can see that. And I'm only, and I'm not holy as God is holy. So when a holy God looks at the world, it's not like I love everybody there. I love everything you are doing. No. The wrath of God is upon people. But we have so misunderstood this. So we are taking John 3.16, go out to a world today, and then we are said to them, oh, God loves you so much. And then we, don't, then we misunderstand it. Because you can only understand the love of God that is pure, that is holy, by the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't know the love of God by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a humanistic love. A love where it's the man who's in the focus instead of God. But the God, love of God is clean, is pure, is holy. 
And the Bible says here, for the love of God had been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that had been given to us. So how is the love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit? You cannot understand the true love of God unless you have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because love is pure. Love is holy. Love is like a pearl. And what do Jesus say about the holy things? What do Jesus say about pearls? There is a place in Matthew 7, verse 6, where the, the uh, title is, Don't throw pearls to pigs. And Jesus is saying, Don't give what is holy to dogs and throw your pearl to pigs. Why? And he said why. Otherwise they will tremble them and then tear you to pieces. And this Jesus saying here is really, really important to understand. Don't take what is holy. Don't take, I would say the love of God, the pure love of God that's like pearls and throw them to pigs or to dogs. Why? Because they would misunderstand it. They will tremble upon it. And then they will tear, turn around and tear us to pieces. We in the church today have done something that is totally wrong. And we have done that many, many years. And because of that, the world has turned against us. Turned this against us. What have we done wrong? We have preached the love of God to a dying world, to a sinful world who's under the wrath of God, who don't know the holiness of God. We have preached the love of God instead of the righteousness of God. If you go in the book of Acts and see how the first disciples was preaching, you never find, you don't find one time where they were preaching God love you. They were not preaching the love of God to people. They were preaching the righteousness of God. They were not preaching, you are amazing. Oh, you are so awesome. God love you. Because then they will misunderstand it. Then they will don't fear God and they will don't see the need of repentance. And because they don't need, see the need of deep repentance and know the fullness of the gospel, they will not come in and experience the Holy Spirit and they will not be able to understand the love of God. So how did the first disciple preach? They preached the righteousness of God. Jesus. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose again. He's the judge. He's going to judge the world. You have to repent for your sin. Repent and get baptized toward him. And you would and, and receive the Holy Spirit and you have everlasting life. They were preaching Jesus. They were preaching righteousness of God. That God is a holy God and they have sinned against God. It was what they were preaching. You never find in the Bible that they were talking about the love of God the way we do it to sinners. And it's interesting that the love of God we read about here is in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew 
those two gospels is written for believers. The gospel of Luke, the gospel of Mark, is written for non-believers. And we do a big mistake if we use the gospel of John there and the gospel of Matthew to unbelievers. Some of, because some of the things that's written there, they will misunderstand because it's like giving the holy to pigs or dogs. And if you look, there is things about love in John. There is things about love in Matthew don't find in Mark and Luke. Because the Bible makes that very clear that, that the love of God is for us who believe. The Bible says here, Corinthians, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that God has been freely given to us by God. We have received the Spirit of God, so we by the Spirit can know the things that's from God. It's by the Spirit we can know it. And another place, and because you are sons, because we are born again, sons of God, daughters of God, God has sent forth His Spirit of his son into your heart, crying up out, Abba, Father. Who cries out, Abba, Father? The Holy Spirit inside of us. You cannot know the love of God unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of us who reveal it and who cried out, Abba, Father. But because we have been preaching love, God is love to people instead of God is righteousness. God is holy. Because we have given the wrong gospel. We have that people today who have misunderstood it. It's like throwing pearls to pigs and they tremble on it and then they use it against us. And this is what I'm seeing all the time now. If I'm preaching about the holiness of God, if I'm talking to people in the church who have misunderstood the gospel and I'm talking about sin, that you have to live a holy life. I've often heard, yeah, but God is love. For some, there's many people in the church today who get married and divorced, married and divorced all the time. If I talk to them about, yeah, but what do the words say? They, they go back and say, yeah, but God is love. God understands, God is love. And, and they use like God is love against the holy thing God is saying in his word. And this is about everything. People go to bed before they're married, yeah, but God is love. So you meet that in the church. Outside the church, in the world, you see it also. I've been in many TV programs, also de debate programs where I've been talking about who God is. And I've been, I, I was in a pro program where there was a Jew and a Muslim and me, and we were talking about uh, homosexuality. And, and it's always like, yeah, but God is love. Is God not love? God love. How can you say this? God is love. And, and this is what the, whole, the people who live a homosexual life, they use that. Yeah, but God is love. My friend David Parson in England, uh, I really love his teaching, amazing teaching. He had written a book about hell. And he was also in a lot of interviews. And he got so tired because the journalists always started the same way. The journalists always started. 
How can a loving God send people to hell? It was always that. That never started. How can a righteous God send people to hell? Or how can a holy God send people? They always start, how can a loving God? And he got so tired of that question. So in the end, he, he answered, who told you God is love? And, and he was like, but, 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 but is God not love? And he says, yes, he is. But, and then he explained what the love of God is. And he explained the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. And this is what the problem in the church today. We have a church who don't fear God. Who don't fear God because we don't preach the righteousness of God anymore. Try to also go to, to Matthew 5, uh, 5, 6, 7, where Jesus sermon on the mount. What do he preach about? This is also for the Christian, but he's not preaching love, 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 love. He's preaching the righteousness of God, how to live a holy life. But we have misunderstand that because there is a too much and too wrong focus on the love of God today in the church. And we are going out and preaching the love of God to our world. So we today have a world who don't fear God. They don't fear God and they don't see the need of repentance. Why? Because God is love. I thought that many years ago. I thought that because before I got saved, that, okay, God is for me. For me. I had like, God is for me. Yeah, God is for me. Of course, God is for everybody. God loves everybody. So God is for me. So I didn't see the need of repentance because God is for me. And this is how the world is thinking today. Why? Because we have taken the most holy of God as pearls and throw it toward pigs. And now they are trampled on it, they misunderstood it, and they use it against us. So we need to understand that the love of God is something you can only understand by the Holy Spirit. And that's why there is also many churches today after the churches, there's churches who start with the righteousness of God, but they don't preach the full gospel. That there is repentance, there is a new life, that there is the Holy Spirit. And because they don't experience that, they don't come in and experience the love of God. Especially, you, sometimes you see pictures from miracles where people stand with big signs, God hates you and God is against you. Some of the things... It's biblical. This is what the word is saying. But many of those people only start there, but they don't come in and understand that it's the kingdom we have to preach. It's the new life. It's the Holy Spirit. And there we experience the love of God. And if you have the love of God, yes, you can preach the right gospel. Not the way many do it today, like you go to hell, God hates you. No. You can preach the righteousness of God in a way where they understand that they are sinners. They understand they are on the wrath of God. They understand that if they don't repent and come under the love of God, they are going to hell. But at the same time, they will give us a hug. Why? Because they feel our heart. It's all about our heart. And that's why the first disciple was not allowed to go out and just preach before they have got the Holy Spirit. Because you have to have the love of God in your heart for you to be able to preach the radical word of God. 
but we need to preach that. And now we are living in a time where especially is the love of God there's in focus. And the Bible is saying here in Matthew 24 about the end time that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But him who endures to the ill end shall be saved. Many false prophets will arrive. And this is in the church it's talking about. Why also? Because the one who endures to the end shall be saved. It's not people out in the world who get saved by enduring to the end. It's us who endure to the end and there we shall be saved. So many false problems will rise in the end time. And then we read, and because lawlessness will abound. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is a lot, not a sin for license. Because license will abound. Lawlessness is to live without law. Yes, we're not under the law of Moses, but we're under the law of Christ. And Jesus didn't lower the standard, he raised the standard. And you're going to see that next time. So the law of Moses says that, that you can get married, just give a letter. The law of Moses says that if you do adultery, you have to go out and do it. But Jesus says something different there. Jesus is really more radical. Now you don't only have to look with lust on a woman before you do adultery in your heart. So Jesus changed something. But not lower the standard, he raised the standard. And he could do that because now we had the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that next time. But in the end time, false prophet is going to arrive in the churches. And because of their teaching, lawlessness, license is going to take over. Look, it's not legalists that's going to take over in the end time. Of course, there is some people who's living a legalistic life. But today we are so afraid to live a legalistic life that the most people live in sin. They live out here, a lawless life, a life with license to sin. And in the end time, people are going to preach a wrong love. They're not going to preach the righteousness of God. They're going to preach God is love, 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 love. And this is the false prophets. There's only preaching the love of God in a wrong way. So that love of God is creating a people who start to live in lawlessness, who start to live in sin because they don't have any fear of God. If you fear God, you will not live in sin. So in the end time, because of those false prophets, and we see it all over today on Christian TV, Christian's book, it's love, 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 love. Because of that, we see in the churches today, there is no fear of God. License, lawlessness have taken over. And this is also what the church is doing today. The, license, the lawlessness in the church is also going to abound. And because of that, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many, the love. What, what is the love of many? The love toward God. I have seen many people who get saved. 
And then the Holy Spirit starts to work with them. They live a radical life. They, they take all the, the non-Christian music, throw it out, and they don't want to watch a lot of bad things in TV. And they want to just love God, read the Word of God, and fill themselves with something that is pure. Then they come in a church, and then other people is not so radical, and they're like, okay, it's okay. And, and they start to do the things they didn't do before. And because they now start to do things that is out in the side of sin, the love toward God is getting cold. If you want to keep your love toward God, you need to live a radical life. You need to not live in sin. If you let sin come into your life, I tell you the love of God is going to grow cold. But if you get sin out of your life, start to repent deep from your heart, the love of God is going to be burning hot and you are going to be on fire. And we always need to live that life where we live a life where we always strive to live holy. Try to live holy. Let the Holy Spirit work in us. And, and after the Bible says this, the false prophet, and this gospel, what gospel? This gospel, the pure gospel, the gospel of the righteousness of God, of the kingdom, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And we need to come in and preach the right gospel again and have the right understanding of who God is. And the right, the truth is that God, His love is there. God loved the world that He sent His Son. It's not because He's crazy with people. They're under the wrath of God. They're evil. And they need to repent for their sin. Otherwise, they're going to go to hell. Because God is a righteous God. God is a loving God. So it's not like he loved people the way they hear when we say love it. But instead of preaching God love you, we could preach that the love of God is there if you repent for your sin. Come in. And, and this is the true gospel. Get people to repent. And, and sinners want to come to the kingdom of God if they hear the true gospel. And in, in one of the videos where I, I, I talk about healing and preaching the gospel, you see how I start with talking about sin. I start talking about the holiness of God. I show you how we start to talk about this. And then when people understand that they are sinners and under the wrath of God, then we can say, but God loved the world, so he sent his son. So if you repent, you can get saved and come in under this love. So this is the way we need to preach. And then preach the kingdom of God. Show the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Preach the righteousness of God. And show them how they can come in and be part of this kingdom. By repenting from their sins. Baptism, water and the Holy Spirit. And I want to say again. Many, pe many people have heard these words. But God loved the sinners but hate the sin. I want to say that it was not Jesus who said that. Jesus did never say that God loved the sinner but hate the sin. Moses didn't say it. 
And you don't find this in the Bible because this is not biblical. It was, con it was Augustine many years ago who said something similar to this. But exactly those words, it was Gandhi who said that. A Hindu leader in India some years ago. So it was a Hindu leader who says, Love God, love the sinner, but hate the sin. If this was true, God don't need to punish people. God don't need to throw people to hell. He could just take the sin and throw the sin to hell instead of the person to hell. Then he didn't need to send his son Jesus Christ. If it was the sin that was the problem and not the sinner. But the Bible don't divide the person by what he do. You are what you do, you do what you are. If you live in sin, you are a sinner. And God don't only God is not only angry against the sin in your life, he's angry against you. And he wants you to repent and come in under the love of God. So stop quoting a Hindu words, a Hindu leaders quote that God loved sinners but hate the sin. Instead, quote what the Bible is saying. And we need to understand what the word is saying. I'm going to continue now because where should we start? Where should we start? We should start for us as Christians, it's important to start with the righteousness of God. It's important to start with the fear of God. The fear of God. I have the love of God there, and now I put this, the fear of God. When I talk about the fear of God, oh, I have some paper here. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs is saying, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way. And we need to have that fear of God, so we hate evil. We hate the things God hates and love the things God loves. And the same like us. We should be like God. We should have the same nature. And yes, God is holy and he hates sin. His love is there the way that he's reaching out to them. But the love is not there that, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And they get an understanding that God just loved them or for them and everything they're doing is right because it's not. If they got the understanding and get the understanding that everything is okay, they're never going to repent. They're never going to come in and experience the love of God. And God wants them to experience that. He wants every person to get saved. And Proverbs is also saying, Proverbs is also saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you go through the Proverbs, if you go through the Bible, through the Book of Acts, you will see that there is so many places where, sorry, not the book of Acts, the, the, the Psalms, you will see that many places start with the fear of God is the beginning. For example, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Here you see the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding has 
all those who do his commandment. So the fear of the God, fear of the Lord, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to have the right understanding. And the fear of God we get through revelation of him. The divine power have given to all of us that pertain to life and godliness or fear of God through the knowledge of him. If you really know God, you will fear him. And I'm going to talk about the fear of God next time. But if you really know God, you will fear him because God is righteous. He's holy. He's a consuming fire. God is more than love. He's also love. But to, you need to, we need to have the right understanding. Otherwise, we are going to be misleading and we are going to mislead other people. And this is what we, had a, we have a church today who is misleaded. And they are misleading many other people. And again, there's no fear of God. And we need the fear of God for us to be able to love him as he is. There is uh, the, the Catholic Church have some extra, uh, some extra books in their Bible. The, the Apocrypha books. The Apocrypha books. There is a book called Sirah's book. The book of Sirah. Sirah's book is not part of the word of God. It's not part of our Bible. But uh, Jesus and other you know, people in the Bible is quoting some of those books. So it's still history and it's still interesting. But in Sirah's book, there is a verse that's really interesting. Sirah's book 25 verse 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of loving him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of loving him. Because how can you love somebody you don't know? You have to know God for you to be able to truly love him. And I lived many years without understanding the righteousness of God. I didn't have the fear of God in my life. So my love to God was not so deep. Because I didn't understand who he was. When, but when I got the fear of God in my life, I began to and I began, began to get the knowledge. I began to get the wisdom and I began to love him. But I was part of a church today where we only preach the love of God. And many of those people I knew at that time don't live with God today. They live in sin. Because they have never understood the righteousness of God. Like millions of people in the churches today. They are standing there, they are raising their hands, they are worshipping God, but they don't know God. Many don't know God. They are living in license. They are living in sin. They don't know God because they don't know the righteousness of God. They have only heard about the love of God. And when they hear something like this, they are like, oh, because this is so new for them. And they're, they're so easy to get out of, like, get shaking. Because they don't have the deep roots in their life. They don't have the Holy Spirit the way they should be able to. They're loved by the Holy Spirit. Because if you really have the love of the Holy Spirit, no matter how radical it become, you will love it because you know it's the truth. Because, and, and it's not going to shake you because 
you have the spirit inside of you and you cannot be shaken because the spirit show you that also his love is holy. Okay, we're going to continue and often when I do this teaching, I often say we always start, we look at Jesus, but today we have been looking at God. So instead of having Jesus up here, I have God now. Who is God? And I want to start with uh, this verse. The Ten Commandments Moses came with. You shall have no other gods before me. And, and, and also, it, it continued that you should not create a false image of God and worship that. So we should only have one God. And we should not have any other gods. We should not change God's image to become trees and wood and worship them or change God's image in our mind. This is also to have an idol, to change God. And this is the many ways the biggest idol I see in the churches today, that people have created their old God in the old image to suit them. And of course, that God is always a God of love. Most time it's the God of love. And you hear that in the church, but my God is not like that. No, my God is a God of love. My God is like this. And this is a big problem. And what have we done there? We have created a different God. A God that is so different from the God we read in the Bible. David then say, yeah, but, but in the Old Testament he was like that. But now we are living in the New Testament. But God has not changed. You have to understand that. We believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And if you believe in a God who is different from the Old Testament, you have created an idol. You have. This verse cannot stand alone. Why? Because there is something before this verse that's important. Many verses cannot be alone. We have to read everything in context to understand what the word is saying. And this verse don't start there. It should not start there. It should start here. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall not have any other gods before me. Read it whole, the whole thing. God is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. How did he did do that? He did that with a lot of signs, a lot of miracles. He did that in signs and wonders. He did that by killing the firstborn of the Egypts. He did that by killing the Egypts in the Red Sea. He did that by killing many people. We believe in a God who's holy. We believe in a God who's love, but also in a God who's righteous, who's a consuming fire and who kills people. But there's so many Christians today, when they read the Old Testament like, no, that God I can never worship. They have a picture like, that God is evil, he's evil, but the New Testament God, he's just love. 
What have they done? They have just created a God who suits them. They have changed God's image and they have gone against the first commandment. Their God is different from the God who take the Israelites out of the Egypt. Their God is different from the God we read about in the whole Bible. But God is the same. Yes, he's merciful now, but he was also merciful then. I'm going to talk about that next time, but, but maybe con David. David sins against God, big sin, but he found mercy. In the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, book of Acts chapter 5, they just they sinned against God. They just came with a lie in front of God, and God, what did he do? He just killed them. Ananias and Sapphira, they were in the New Covenant. In the New Testament, you read it in the book of Acts. He always, he got ate up by worms. You read that in the book of Acts. God his, was merciful in the Old Testament. God was loving in the Old Testament. God is merciful in the New Testament. God is loving in the New Testament. God is the same. Yes, we are living in a new covenant, new standard. We're not under the law of Moses. We're under Jesus' law now. We are living with him. I'm going to talk about that next time. But many people in the church have created a wrong God and that God is love. Why? Because we are living in the end time where people want to live a lawless life, want to live a life with license to sin. And because we are preaching love, love, love this time, we are talking some radical use against us. But if God is love, why can I not do that? If God is love, why not that? And that is the kingdom we are preaching to the world. And the world is turning against us now. There is no fear of God anymore. People are sinning. People don't want God because we are preaching love. We need to stop up and go back and preach the righteousness of God like the first disciples did it, like God have command us to do. And we are going to continue and look at who God is. The first thing I have here is that God is love. He is love. God is love. Why do I say that God is love? Because he is love. The Bible say that he is love. John 8, 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So yes, this is the truth. God is love. God is holy. This is also what the word is saying. The Bible says that God is holy. In 1 Peter 4, you can read it here. As he who called you is holy, you shall be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So God is holy. He says that. God is love, but he also says God is holy. The next one here, God is righteous. This is also what the word is saying. God is righteous. 
in Psalm 7:11, there is a radical verse here. God is a judge, judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Yeah, this is, is that less the word than John 3:16? No. John 3:16 is the word of God, but this is also the word of God. It's the same. Yeah, but it's Old Covenant, it's Old Testament. God has not changed. He's always angry against the wicked people today. Read your Bible, read also in Roman, uh, where it's talking about the world that nobody's seeking God and so on. He has not changed. This is not less the word of God than the rest here. God is righteous. He's a judge. Judge. Another thing is that God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire, the word says. And, and then, yeah, yeah, Tom, now I know. But God is love. Okay, God is holy. But, but you're going to the Old Testament now. Psalms. There was John. And now you go to the Old Testament and consuming fire. But, but, but don't go to the Old Testament. We are in the New Testament. Do you know where God is consuming fire? Do you know where you find that in the Bible? Find that in the New Testament in Hebrews. Where it's all about the difference between the Old and the New Testament, how God is now, and that we should fear God now. And this is what I'm going to talk about next time. But in Hebrew, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. So the author of Hebrew write to the Christians and say to believers that they should fear God because God is a consuming fire. But today, if I ask people today, how is God? And we're going to make a vote now. And you're only going to vote one of those four things. And you can take other things. But if you are going to vote one of the things, what do you think people in the church would say today? God is love. What do you think people outside the church would say? God is love. People will say God is love. They will not say God is righteous. They will not say God is consuming fire. People say God is love. Of course there is a few people who say that God is this. But everybody will say like God is love and only have that side, that picture of God. We never see like the past when he was in the TV and the one interviewed him about, about hell. The interviewer did not say. How can a consuming fire, God as a consuming fire send people to hell? Or how can a righteous God send people to hell? This is never what people say today. Every time they want to have a license to sin, every time they want to live their own life, every time they don't want to have there is a hell, they're using God as love. But it's not like the Bible says that God is love and is so much more than the rest. This is not more than this. You don't find the Bible, go through, and then you see that this is the top, and then he's a little like this, and a little of this, little of this, but he is this. Like he's only love. 
You don't find that. If you ask me what is God, I would say if I only, if he's everything. But if I was only allowed to say one thing out of this, I would say that he is holy. Why would I say he is holy? I explain why. In the Bible, in a, today, if I write an email to some, somebody and I want to headline a word, like when I want to put power behind that word, I write it bold or underline it. In the Bible, if you take the Bible, there's nothing with bold here. There's nothing that's underlined it. So in the Bible, they didn't do that. They did something else at that time when they write it. They said the same word two times to highlight it. Like Jesus says, verily, verily, I say to you. It's not like he said verily, verily two times. He said it one time, but like underline it. Another place you find in, in Matthew where many one day is going to say, Lord, Lord to him. It's not like they say, Lord, Lord, two times. They say, Lord, one time. It's written two times to show that there is like an underline. There is a power behind it. So they're not saying, Lord, Lord. They're saying, Lord. And if you look through the Bible, there is a few words you find two times written that way. But I have only found one word where you see it's written three times. It's not two times, it's not one time, like a normal word, it's three times. And this is the angel, angels in heaven who is day and night are saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, He who was and is and is to come. They are saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. I don't believe they're saying holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. I believe they're saying holy God, Lord Almighty. They're saying it one time like holy God, Lord Almighty. They're not saying love God, Lord Almighty or righteous God, Lord Almighty, they're saying holy because God is holy. Even his love is holy. Everything with him is holy. His consuming fire is a holy consuming fire. His righteousness is a holy righteousness and his love is a holy love. If you go to sinners and say God love you, they will not see it as a holy love. They will think as an unclean love. Homosexual, people who live in idolatry, like homosexual life, they say, but God is love. We love each other. No, this is not the holy love. You cannot live in idolatry and call that love of God because it's not holy. There is a love that is from God and that is a holy love that is poured out by His Spirit inside of us. And we need to understand this. 
you need to understand what I've been saying here. And also what I'm going to continue next time, where I'm going to build on this. I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you, if you are living in, if you are living in license, if sin, if you are not living a really radical life, it's because you need to understand the righteousness of God. You need to have fear of God in your life. You need to understand that God is a holy God. He's a consuming fire and he's going to judge sin. He has not changed from the old covenant. He is the same. Sin is the same. Yes, he sent his son Jesus Christ by, so we by him can live a holy life. But he's the same. If you live out here in a sinful life, licensed, and, and, and don't have fear of God in your life, you have to focus on that. You have to read what the word is saying and understand this. If you have too much like legalist in your life and don't understand that God loves you, for some people, you need to focus on the love of God. But I want to say for most people, it's because you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. It's not only to focus on that, you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit and need to understand that. So when we talk about teaching, there is some churches where they only focus on that, a few churches, but the majority of the church today, sad enough, is we are living in the end time, lawlessness is going to take over, so they are focused on the love of God. And this is what we see. But to have a balance in your life, to understand who God is, we need the Bible. Not only reads books about different things all the time, and especially not only to quote verses. Read the Bible. And I encourage you, everybody, to start from the beginning and read the whole Bible through, from Genesis 1 to Revelation. Read the whole Bible from one end to another. Everybody should do that at least one time. But they should do it again and again and again to get the right picture of who God is. You need to do that. I need to do that. So we are not deceived and deceiving other people. So this was what I've been saying this time. If you have questions to, uh, about this teaching, then come with some Christians and I will take it next time where I'm going to continue this and build on this to help you to come in and know who God is. Because we are living in end time. Many people are being deceived. There is the hyper grace thing that going now. But grace is not a cover up for sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment inside of you so you can live the life God has called you to. Grace is not a cover up. God is a holy God. If you hear teaching that create other things that the fear of God in your life are truly healthy fear, where you hate evil, where you hate the evil way, where you experience the Holy Spirit, the Spirit inside of you, the love of God by the Spirit. If you don't have that, then be careful. Don't listen to it. Don't go out that way because you're going to be delete, de deceived. You're going to be deceived. 
Stop up, take the word of God, and let's build on the foundation on the word of God so we understand, we start with the righteousness of God, understand that God is a holy, he's a righteous judge, uh, he's a consuming fire, so we get our deep repentance in our life. And also, get the tools to live the new life with baptism and water, and then we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we receive the love of God in our heart that's poured out by His Spirit, and then we walk here in the middle of the road. We don't walk in legalism because we have the Spirit inside of us, but we also don't walk in, walk in license because we have the fear of God. And this is what every person needs. I will pray for you now, and my wife is going to sing a song, and I will just pray that this word is going to set you free where you are. And this is often the problem with videos because people are different places in their life. If you are like a street preacher who's only preaches righteousness in a hard way, you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. You need to have the power of God in your life to come out with the power. You need to have the love inside of your life so you can preach in the right way. God don't. God is not against people in the way that He just hates them. Yes, He hates the way they're living, but His kindness, His love, in many ways is reaching out for them because he wants them to come in and get saved. So it's not because we are against people. So if you are there, you need to understand that. If you only preach the love of God, come on, you are deceiving people. If you go out and say, God is love, God loves you, you are deceiving people. And those people are going to listen to that. And they're going to love your message because it's something that, ah, my ears love that. We love to hear that. But they're never going to come with a deep repentance. They're never going to come in and get the deep repentance and understanding of God, especially out of, not out of what you are preaching. Yeah, it then, then take the Bible and read it through. They can later get the deep repentance and understanding that everybody needs. So maybe you are there. Maybe you are there. Maybe you are grown up in this background and you need this. Maybe you are grown up there and you need this. But let's have the whole truth and the truth alone. So come with Christians and I'll take that next time. God, I thank you for this teaching. God, and I pray that this is going to be revelation for everybody who sees that in this teaching. This is going to open their eyes, God, and their ears, God. And they're going to receive it in their heart, God. And they're going to get the right understanding on who you are, God. So they are not deceived and deceiving other people, God. Come with your revelation. Come with your revelation. Let the Holy Spirit open their eyes when they read your word, God. Come, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch them and you use this teaching, God, to set your church free, God. So we will come in and get the right understanding on who you are. Come, Holy Spirit, I ask you, work through this in the name of Jesus. Amen. See you next time where I'm going to continue this teaching. God bless you.